Well, good morning, chapel. How's everyone this morning? Look at your neighbor and say, man, you're just honored to get to sit next to me today. You didn't know that, but it is an honor and a privilege that you get to sit next to me. Awesome. I, I tell you what, there's a lot of things happening here at chapel. I know worship this morning was just so good, so, so good, and just reflecting on the goodness of God and, and how good he really is. How many just think, thank God, he's so good. Amen. He's just a good God. And um, there's so many things happening here at chapel. Uh, as Pastor Marissa mentioned earlier, we have VBS happening this week. And church, just be praying with us. Uh, if you're not involved or serving, at least please be praying with us. Because there's, there's an opportunity that we have every year. And it happens at this time every year. And it's VBS. And people from the community, maybe they don't attend here. Guess what? We get the opportunity to share the gospel with these children. It's not just child care. It's actually a time where we can share the gospel and really invest into some of these kids. How many are thankful that we get the opportunity to do that? It's, it's a great opportunity. So be praying with us uh, for this coming week uh, is that everything would just go smoothly and people would get ministered to and the families would be impacted. Amen? Amen. Pastor Bobby is away this week, and you're stuck with me. Sorry about that, but you just stuck with me. Uh, he is uh, in Kentucky. He is sharing at uh, a church there in Kentucky, and uh, we just want to continue to pray for our pastor. Uh, I know he's got a word for them, uh, but just continue to lift him up and his family. Uh, pastor Toya just got back from Guatemala uh, just last night. I've heard already there's just been some great, great testimonies of the things that they were able to accomplish with the team that went down this last week. I can't wait to hear more about that. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be amazing, uh, the stories that came from that. But just be praying for them. They get some rest. They got in really late last night. How many just hate layovers at the airport? I, I think they got stuck on the tarmac, and then the next thing you know, they were, set, they were told they were taking off, and then they said, wait a minute, we're not taking off. Matter of fact, let's just take this plane back, and let's trade planes. You know, why would you want to, uh, thank God they didn't take off in it, because apparently there was something going on, but it just took, it takes a long time to get back, and it just gets a little exhausting. So be praying for them uh, as, they, as they're back and recovering from that, that long trip, but just be praying over them, and that they would get some rest, Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those word, the Word of God and uh, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 23. I'm going to read that in just a second, but before I do, several years ago, mid-20th mid century, uh, there was a, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Alfred Tomatis. He came across a case that was very interesting. He was a doctor. He's an ENT doctor, ear, nose, and throat doctor. And um, he had come across a case with an opera singer. And this opera singer had trouble singing some notes. He was having a hard time hitting certain notes. And it was well within his range. It wasn't like he was trying to hit some notes out of his range. But it was well within his vocal range. And he was trying to hit these notes. And he just had trouble hitting them. So he went to several different doctors before this before he went to Dr. Alfred Tomatis, he went to several doctors and specialists to try to find out why he couldn't do this. Why can't I hit these notes? What's going on? What's wrong with my voice? And the other specialist came back and said, you know what? I think it is. It's just a vocal problem. You're just not able to hit those notes. I mean, you're just going to have to deal with that. And so 
He wasn't satisfied with that, so he went to Dr. Tomatis, and Tomatis, Dr. Tomatis was not satisfied either. Matter of fact, he feels like and felt like at the time that it was not a singing problem or a vocal problem, but it was a hearing problem. And so what he did is he took a sonometer. Anybody know what a sonometer is? Basically, it's a, it's a dB meter. You, re, you actually measure decibels on how, how loud something can be. So he took this sonometer, and he decided he was going to measure the dB level for an opera singer. What he found out is that many opera singers will sing at a decibel level of 140 dB at a meter's distance. Now, to put that in perspective... For you to understand what, how loud that really is, that is louder than a military jet taking off. That's how loud this person was singing. And you can imagine how much louder it was inside their head, even more so. So Dr. Tomatis had concluded, he had concluded through his research that at the end of the day, it was a hearing problem. And this opera singer had de had was deafened by his own voice. He was deafened by his own voice. In other words, if you can't hear the note, you can't sing the note. That's what he had concluded, which turned out to be something they call the Tomatis effect. Well, it reminded me when I was reading this story several years ago, I had an issue. Many of you know this. I've been leading worship for decades. I won't tell you how many decades, because I'll give you away my, my age. But anyway, I've been, I've been leading worship for a long time. And I've got story after story after story of times that the things that have happened. And, and met, I, one time I got the, the microphone hung in my beard. And I just, everybody was just like, nobody knew that, that it was killing me. And I remember it was a high note, and I just said, I'm going to go for it. And I was rip. And I went ahead and sang the note. But I just, it, it really hurt. Anyway, there's, I got story after story, pants unzipped, you know, all that stuff, right? But there was a specific story one time that I had, I was singing a song. And this song was a very popular song at the time. And the beginning of the song, it started, the introduction was all drums. Like it was very militant. It was snare and toms and it was just you know, and the worship leader was supposed to start singing the chorus of the song right out of the gate. Well, I, I knew I heard the note. I just, I was convinced. I heard the note. So I started singing. <laughs> I started singing what I thought was the right key. Well, unbeknownst to me, the MD, the, the music director, just got in the microphone and told the guys, he said, all the musicians, he said, this is going to be epic. In other words, this is going to be an epic failure because he is nowhere near the notes he's supposed to be singing in. And instead of trying to help a brother out, he just left me out there. He didn't try to tell the musicians, hey, we're in this key. Let's try to find this key. Let's help him out. No, he was just like, this is going to be awesome. So as soon as the musicians started to come in, the rest of the musicians, they went into the right key while I was singing the wrong key. And obviously, you could see what happened. It was humbling, let me say the least. Very humbling. But in order for me to sing the note, I had to hear the note. Anybody follow me? If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard this saying several times, and that is this, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. 
it's repeated multiple times throughout Scripture. Matter of fact, Jesus shared it six different times in the Gospels, and then eight different times he shared it in the book of Revelation. In other words, he was trying to get everyone's attention. He who has an ear to hear, he needs to hear. Listen. So Mark chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, it says this, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention. Everybody say, pay attention. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that over the next just few moments, I just pray, Father, that the words that I speak would be not my words, but your words. I pray, Father, that as in this moment, Lord God, that you would speak clearly and you would let my tongue be articulate to speak your word and declare your word in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. So at the end of the day, here's what, here's what I, I've concluded myself and, and realized this, is that most of us don't have a hearing problem, we have a listening problem. When he said this in the passage of Scripture in Mark, he who has an ears to hear, let him hear. Then he goes on to say, pay attention to what you hear. In other words, you need to listen. It's not a hearing problem. The Scripture tells us, it says this, he, Jesus said this, my sheep know my voice. So if you're a believer in the room, there should be no question whether or not you know his voice. You were called to salvation through the wooing or the, the voice of Holy Spirit to draw you to him. So you're, the sheep, my sheep know my voice. The biggest question is not knowing his voice or hearing his voice. It's rather, really rather, are we listening to his voice? It's a listening issue. You see, hearing is passive, but listening is selective. You ever heard the term, that person has selective hearing? Any men in the house know what I'm talking about? I'm sure you've heard that before. Anyway, we'll get to that in just a second. I got a few statistics I want to share with you, though, I thought was pretty interesting. How many words do you think we listen to in a minute? You know, our mouth doesn't move as fast as our ears do in hearing. But what this is what is statistically proven is that we actually hear 450 words a minute. That's on average. Now, some might hear more than that, but on average, it's 450 words in a minute. But how much of that do you think is actually absorbed? Truth is, statistically showing this, is that only about 17 to 25% of what you hear you actually absorb. So in other words, you're only going to walk away today. After I've taken 30 minutes or 40 minutes sharing a message, you're going to walk away with only 17%. Now that's encouraging to me, right? You're only going to walk away with 17%. That's, that's just the way we're wired. But then I love this statistic. How many think men are better listeners than women? <laughs> yeah, I knew that. Somebody was going to get it. And just, I, I don't think that I really have to explain this. But men have been proven that they only use half their brain to listen. Only half their brain. It's just the way we're wired, women. Sorry, it's just we, we don't always compute all of it. Now, women, they use both lobes, so they actually can, can, can listen better than men do. So if you've ever wondered, is your husband listening to you? 
chances are they're probably not. They're just using half their brain. They got brain damage. I'm sorry. That's just part of it. How many of us have been in conversations before where we've list? You've been in a conversation where I have 27 years of marriage, and I remember sometimes I'm, I'm listening to her talk, and, and I'm thinking, I hope to God she, she doesn't ask me what she just said. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm saying? Because if you, if you ask me, I'm going to try to make up something, and then you're going to be like, that's not what I said. No, that's true. That's probably not what you said. But have you ever been in a conversation before with someone, and you're talking with them, and, and, and I know when Suzanne and I first got married, we, we went to this marriage conference. It was probably one of the best things that we had ever done as a, as a newly married couple, and they were talking to us about conflict resolution. And I thought it was very interesting because they said, in order for you to have a discussion, in other words, an argument, healthy argument, in order for you to do it right, that you should repeat back to your spouse what you just heard. So, in other words, if she, once Suzanne was finished talking, I would say, so what I hear you saying is, and then she would be able to say yes or nope, that you're way off. And so, that was a healthy conversation. Now, because here's what would happen with me many times, and I'm sure it happens with you. I'm thinking, okay, in my head, I'm thinking, how can I respond to her and I'm thinking of the things I can say in this conversation. And I'm not listening. I'm just thinking of what I need to say next. Anybody been there before? Okay, y'all, you know liars have their place. Y'all hear what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of, okay, how can I respond with the right answer here? And I'm not listening to what, I'm just waiting for her to stop talking so I can say it. Anybody been there? Okay. I am getting way off. I am nowhere near. I didn't say any of this first service, so y'all hold on. So many of us, with that being said, many of us deal with what I would call a spiritual tomatus effect. We're listening to our own voice, which is actually cluttering what God is wanting to say. We've been deafened by our own voice. We've tried to put words in the mouth of God. Anybody ever done that before? Try to tell God how we think it should be done. And God's like, if you would just listen, if you would just hear what I have to say and listen and pay attention, then I can guide and direct you the way that it should be. And I think many times it's not just the listening aspect. We just don't want to listen to what he has to say because we, we know in our heart of hearts what he's going to say. And it's going to be convicting. And a lot of us don't want to be convicted. We don't want to admit that we're wrong or admit that we need help or admit those things because that's dealing with our pride and our selfishness. And what happens then is that we just start to shut him out. You know, it's better, I'll just go find the things in here that I want to hear rather than actually reading it in its, fully, in its full context and actually hearing what God's truly got to say. But many times it's not... It's not a matter of even listening. It's a matter of do we want to actually hear what he has to say. Convict us. Gives us directions. Maybe making things right with someone. That's one of the toughest ones. We want to hold on to the things that we feel like we have the right to feel this certain way. Right? And God's trying to tell us you need to go make it right with your brother or your sister. 
and you're, got, you're going, no, that's not God, that's me. No, the truth is, if you would listen and pay attention, guess what? Healing can take place in your own life and in the lives of others. If you just choose to walk that out. So there, I think there's different ways that I believe that we, we deafen God's voice. Obviously, it's through our own voice. But I think there's different ways, and I'm going to give those real quickly to you, that I feel like we deafen the voice of God in our life. Number one is this. It's through griping and complaining. Oh, we gripe about everything. We complain about everything. I asked for a double cheeseburger, and they gave me a cheeseburger. How dare them, right? And we start complaining, and we start to gripe. We don't even appreciate the fact that we have food in our hand. We want, we want it a certain way. And we start to complain, and we start to gripe, and start to, do you realize that griping and complaining physically will affect you? It, it, when you gripe and complain, it releases something called a cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And stress will lead to heart disease. It will lead to high blood pressure. It affects other parts of your body and other organs in your body. High levels of cortisol actually will damage your physical body. And it's all because you griped and complained. If we would just learn to do this, testify of what God's done, and start to come into agreement with his word, and start to come into agreement with his promises, instead of griping and complaining about what we don't have, but to start to appreciate what we do have, then we'll find ourselves clearly hearing the voice of God. It opens up a doorway for us to hear a promise from God. How many remember the story in Exodus chapter 16 when the children of Israel were brought out of bondage and out of slavery? They were taken across the Red Sea on dry ground. They saw the miracles of God happen in their life. They get out into the wilderness, and what did they do? They gripe and complain because they didn't have what they had in Egypt. They didn't have the food they had in Egypt. Or you just sent us out here, Moses, to die. We'd rather go back to Egypt. We're just going to gripe and complain. And so what did the Lord do? The Lord said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to drop manna from heaven. I'm going to give you something to eat. I'm going to give you quail from heaven. You're going to have more than enough. All I'm asking you to do is just take what you need for the day. Don't store up anything. Don't try to hold on to anything because I want to show you that I'm your provider day after day after day. So then in Exodus chapter 16, verse 20, it says that the children of Israel, it said they did not listen to Moses when he asked them to do that. It said they didn't listen. You know why they didn't listen? Because I think they were hearing their own voice gripe and complain. And it cluttered their ability to be able to hear clearly and to listen to God. So they didn't listen, and we know the story, what happened. There was maggots, and the, 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 the bread and the quail began to stink. All because they chose to gripe and complain. When we gripe and complain, we're unable to see or hear the testimony of God's faithfulness, his goodness, his provision, his promises. We clutter our thoughts and our hearing with our own voice, and many times it leads to the lies of the enemy, and ultimately can lead to things that are untrue, like gossip. Complaining, griping, you start hearing the voices of the enemy, and then you start believing this gossip 
that is being said about things that are not true. So we have to stop complaining. We don't want the complaining to take over in our lives. We want the promises of God to be real and evident in our lives. Amen? Second thing is selfish ambition. Selfish ambition cloud our ability to hear clearly the voice of God. Why do you say that? Because you're desiring things for yourself rather than desiring things for God, of God. When we're led by the Spirit of God and we're operating in the Spirit of God, we're only wanting what He desires for our life and not what we want. You see, there's constant struggle inside our life between our soul and our spirit. Our spirit wants the things of God, but my soul wants the things of the flesh. So there's a constant back and forth fighting. And if we give in to the selfish ambitions in our life, guess what? The spirit of God is then pushed aside, and guess you can't hear clearly what God is trying to say to you. Because you want what you want rather than what God wants for your life. And that's what speaks louder in your life. You're, you're giving in to those selfish things. Third thing is disobedience. Disobedience clouds your ability to be able to hear God clearly. He's always going to take you back to the time that you disobeyed. You want to hear from God and you want, okay, what's the next step in my life? Well, he's going to take you back to the place where, guess what? Remember when I told you this? You remember, you remember when I asked you to go make things right with your brother and your sister? And you're like, well, God, oh, that's way in the past. Oh, oh, really? So my word still, now you're just going to push that aside even though I told you to do that? You're going to let those things slide? If you want to move forward with God and you want to hear him more clearly, you've got to take care of the things he's already asked of you. You've got to go back and make things right. Anybody hear what I'm talking about? It's important for us to walk in obedience and not disobedience. The fourth thing is this, impatience. Man, patience. Having to deal with impatience. I mean, I know for me, there's been many times in my life I've tried to just take hold of things myself and just handle the things, my, my, my issues myself. And just say, I'm just going to let, I'll, I'll inform God of what I've done. Anybody been there before? I'm just going to inform God, this is what, I handled it. I handled it for you, Lord. Oh, you did. That's fantastic. Now I've got to clean up your mess because you were impatient. Impatient, I believe, uh, many times we just want things so badly and what we try to do then is try to take God's word and pick out the things that we think will, will actually help us in our, um, in, our, in our things that we want to see accomplished in our life. We want to take God's word and actually force those things to happen. When God's saying, if you would just wait on my timing. You remember the story of Abraham and Sarah? So Abraham and Sarah, we know the story. Abraham, was, God spoke to him and said, you're going to have a son. You can be the promise will be fulfilled through you. Years go by. Abraham's getting a lot older. Sarah's getting a lot older. And he's not waiting on the promise. He's actually going to go ahead and take the time to birth an Ishmael rather than a promise. And because of his impatience, he birthed an Ishmael. He birthed something that was always going to be combative with the promises of God always fighting against God's plan and their, God's purpose for their life. So we have to choose to be patient, a patient people, not an impatient people. Number five, I feel deafen God's voice in our life is 
excuses. Listen, we have excuses for everything. Always got an excuse. Always coming up with something, right? I think about my, my kids, and I'm going to pick on them today. They're used to it. Anyway, so there's many times I'm like, okay, kids, would you take your dog out? And they're, oh, dad. I mean, I just sat down. Oh, really? You just sat? Well, dad, you're all, I'm all the way over here, and you're all the way over there. Can you do it? I'm just asking you to take the dog out. Your dog, not my dog. I made it real clear to the family. It's not my dog. It's your dog. Take your dog out. Or maybe it's the trash, right? Well, you take the trash out, and my son is the best at this. Let's see how far I can push all that trash down. Get your knee in there. Get your hand in there. Whatever it takes, push it down. It's fine. It'll make, it'll make it. It'll make it. We'll handle it. We'll, it'll be fine, right? Just making up an excuse. It don't have to be taken out. Look, it's got plenty of space, right? It's got plenty. Of, no, take the. So he does it again. Then you finally have to take it out. You pick it up, and, of course, you know what happens. There's holes all in the trash, and it's all over the kitchen, and then, and then mom gets involved, and then now they're really into for it, right? But we have excuses for everything. We have the same excuses when we're with God. And that is, God, you know, I don't have time to spend with you today. You know my busy schedule. I mean, I love you. I spend an hour at church. You know, it's, it's exactly what, I mean, you understand. I mean, I, I'll give you the time when I, when I have the time. We make up these excuses. I'm, I'm busy at work. I've got so many things to do. And, God, you know I need my sleep. Oh, i got to have my sleep. Right? Anybody? Am I preaching better than you're saying amen? I think I am. But we have excuses for everything. Even, even giving. God, I can't give right now. You know my finances. I mean, just being obedient in tithes, I mean, when I, we say that each week, we be obedient in our tithes and offering. It's a, it's, it's a command to give to the Lord. He gave to us, we give back to him. But we make up excuses. You know my finance, finances, God. You know my job situation. And at some point, he's going to bring us back to this last point of disobedience before he can take us to the next place. But we always come up with these excuses when we do this, God's voice becomes less and less clear. If we're not choosing to obey something he's already asked of us, how do we expect him to actually speak to us today? If he's already asked something of us, but yet we get frustrated with him, we're like, God, will you just speak to me? Speak to me. We're like, he's like, I've already spoke to you, but you're not, you're not hearing what I've already said. And if we can't walk in obedience with those things, we can't expect him to speak clearly today to our lives. So it's a matter of listening, not so much a matter of hearing. So we have to stop making those type of excuses. So what, would, what do we do? We, we hear the things that are deafening. We know, understand the things that are deafening us. But what do we do to enhance God's voice? What do we do to amplify the voice of God? Here's the thing. All of us in this room have a cell phone probably. We all have to deal with these. Right? And when you have bad reception, what happens? If you have bad reception, 
in your car or in your home or in your workplace, what do you do? You have to move from where you are to somewhere else to get better reception. And I think many times we want to stay where we are, and God's like, will you move with me so I can speak clearly to you? But we have to move to a, maybe sometimes a higher place. How many have done this before with your phone? Like, like that's really going to help with better reception. I mean, am I the only one that ever done that? I probably am. I look like a fool now. It's, anyway, so many of us want to go to a higher place because we think we can get better reception. Because what that does is it gets us above all the noise. It gets us above all the distractions. It gets us above all the interference that's happening around us. So we have to choose to get to a better place. And if after over time, if we continue with bad receptions, we get cut off, right? How many hate to see that on your phone, that drop call, call ended or call failed? Man, that's just frustrating. You know what's even more frustrating is when I've had conversations with people and you get the bits and pieces while you're still driving down the road and you're like, oh, what did he say? And you're trying to figure it out. Then you try to come up with your own, own thing. Like, I think this is what he said. And then you respond and you find out it's not really what was being said. I think that's the way we do it with God too. We get bits and pieces. We get bits and pieces right here. We only want to pick up the things that we want to hear. We don't actually listen to the whole thing in its full context. You see, this whole thing is a love letter to you. The whole thing. From Genesis to Revelation. And if you want to just pick out bits and pieces of it, you're not going to get the whole story. Which leads me to the first thing. How you value God's word will determine how well the voice of God is amplified. How much you value his word will determine it. We have to give ear to his written word. We've got to start to give ear and listen to what he's already said. And I'm, not, I'm talking about the logos word, the written word. You see what happens when we give ear to his written word, he makes clear his spoken word. There has to be value placed on what he's given us. We can't expect to know the voice of God or hear the voice of God if we're not students of the word of God. I'm going to say it again. We can't expect to hear or know the voice of God if we're not choosing to be students of the word of God. You got to start there. You have to start first by hearing what he's already said and giving ear to it. In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, it talks about the soil of the heart. He uses this parable about the seed being sown into the soil of the heart. Y'all familiar with that passage? So, the very beginning part of this passage. He shares this parable, and then the disciples come back and say, can you please explain it? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump down to 11, verse 11 in Luke 8. It says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those that the farmer threw out. They heard the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. In other words, the word that was thrown out landed off to the path, off the path. It wasn't taken and valued and placed in good soil. It was just thrown to the wayside. Verse 13, and the ones on the rock are those, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. 
They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. In other words, the heart wasn't able to receive it because it was a stony heart. It was a heart that was rocky. And what that is is that you receive it, you received it with joy. The word had value, but then you refused to let it grow. You refused to deal with your own heart and deal with the things in your heart so that the seed could be planted in good soil. You refused to let that word grow. You heard it, but you didn't receive it. And then, and then in verse 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go in, along their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. You see, the word had value, but it was choked out by the flesh and the desires of the flesh. And they were concerned more about themselves than they were about the word of God. They let the, the cares of life start to choke out what was actually being said in their life. Many times that's what happens with us. We're so, we're so overwhelmed and consumed by the cares of life that we haven't shown any value to the word of God and the promises of God. And so then in verse 15, it says, As for those with good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast to it in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. These are those who value God's word and also apply his word to their daily life. That's the kind of people we need to be. If we want to hear clearly, we got to choose to value the Word of God. Amen? Number two is practice the fruits of the Spirit. How do you practice the fruits of the Spirit, church? You know, I find it interesting. A lot of times people, well, how do you, how do you go about doing that? First, you have to be led by the Spirit. If you want, to have, you want to practice the fruits of the Spirit, you have to be led by the Spirit. And what I mean by being led by the Spirit, I'm not saying, hey, Holy Spirit, come along with me. No, that's not how it works. We don't bring Holy Spirit along with us. We're led by him. In other words, we're behind him following his lead. We're not asking him to follow our lead. So if you want to practice the fruits of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, if you want to practice those things and you want that to be evident in your life for yourself but also for those others around you, you have to be led by the Spirit. You have to open up a doorway. Let Him speak to you. Let Him lead you. Let Him guide you. When you do that, it opens up a doorway for you to hear more clearly God's Word, His goodness, His faithfulness. He's able to guide and direct you according to His purpose and plan. Amen? Number three is this, you, turn, you tune in to the right frequency. You tune in to the right frequency. You see, the thing is, everything has a frequency. It's been proven my body has a frequency. I put off a frequency, a sound. Our culture has a frequency, right? Our culture has a certain sound that it's putting out. But see, heaven has a frequency. Most of it's spoken through here, but God is speaking today, and he's wanting you to tune in to that frequency. Now, how many in the room can remember the old radios, right? The ones that you had a needle, you had to actually dial. You know, those, those, were, the, those were the good days where you dial that needle in, but if you were just a little bit off to the left, what would happen? It'd be static. If you went to the right just a little bit, 
it'd be static. You had to dial that thing in. So in other words, you had to position the needle in the right place to get the right frequency. Where are we positioning ourselves? Are we under the mighty hand of God? Are we being led by his spirit? Are we walking in his truth? Are we being obedient to his word? What are we doing to position ourselves to hear clearly God's voice in our life? Here's the, here's the choice that you have. Are you going to tune in to the culture and their frequency telling you how you should live? Or are you going to tune in to the frequency of heaven and like, let God teach you and lead you and guide you on how heaven lives? What are you going to do? That's the question for you and I both. Number four is silence and solitude. We talked about it this morning. Be still. Be still and know. Know this. He is God. If we can get into a place of silence and solitude, tune out all those other voices in our life, and come into a place of silence and solitude, Jesus would slip away. He would get away from his disciples. He would get away from all the crowds. And he would find himself off and away so he could hear the Father. You know, many of us, silence is deafening. How many just hate it? What I mean by that is that a lot of us, when you get in the car, you got to have the radio on, right? Or a lot of us, we go to bed at night, we got to have a sound machine or some kind of fan going because silence can be deafening. But do you know this? The truth is silence is actually healing. It's been scientifically proven that when you're in silence, your heart rate will go down. Blood pressure can go down because you've chosen to silence your body. Same thing with the Spirit of God. When you choose to silence all the noise, God speaks clearly, and there's healing that can take, take place in your body. Amen? And the last is this, proximity. How we can amplify the voice of God in our life is through proximity. What does that mean? You guys know the story. Pastor Bobby shared it this few weeks back in 1 Samuel 3. We know the story of Samuel and Eli, and very familiar with it. But I, what I love about this story is that Samuel heard the voice of God. But where he heard the voice of God is significant. He heard the voice of God while he was sleeping, resting in silence. Where? By the ark of his presence. Near to the Lord, as close as he can get to God. You see, when you draw near to God... He draws near to you. It's just a principle. You draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. So proximity is everything. God wants to speak when you give him priority in his presence. He wants to speak. Matter of fact, he is speaking to each of you in this room right now. He's speaking, but are you listening? Have you silenced those things in your life so that you can hear clear God's voice? Moses, he actually took the time to build a thing called the tent of meeting outside the camp. He's like, I'm going to get away and I'm going to get in silence and I'm going to value the presence of God where I can meet with him away from everyone else. It's called the tent of meeting. It was a place where the ark of the presence of God would dwell. 
And he would go there to get away from the noise. He would take his assistant, Joshua. Joshua would go with him. What I love about that is that even when Moses left, Joshua stayed because he valued the presence of God more than anything else. And because he valued the presence of God, guess what happened? Joshua took him into the promise because he chose to value the presence. And when you do that, you open up a doorway to hear clearly God's word. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Father, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your goodness. And today, Lord, I know there's people in the room today, they, they're having trouble. They seem like they're having trouble hearing God, maybe in their own personal life with guidance and direction. They don't know exactly what steps to take next. They don't know what decisions to make. They've got tough decisions to deal with, and they're facing so much in their life. I pray, Father, you speak clearly to them that today they could walk out of this place transformed and realize this. I need to silence all the other voices and truly listen to what God has to say. I need to get in his word. I need to value his word. I need to find that in those places of silence and solitude, you're going to speak more clearly to my life and I can make wise decisions. So, Lord, I pray, Father, your strength over them today. If that's you in the room, you're saying, man, I'm just having difficulty. I know we've been through a series. I'm just having difficulty. I've got decisions to make in my life, and I need to hear God. If that's you, can I pray over you? Would you just lift up your hand? Let me just pray. Yes, yes. Anyone else? Yes, 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 yes. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for these hands that have gone up. Father, we know that we're human. And we face a lot of trials in our life. But, God, we're yours. We're the people of God. And your word said this, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. And I pray, Father, that somehow we can get rid of all the other noise. And we'd start listening to you more clearly. Father, help us. We need your guidance. We need your spirit to help us. We want to be led by you in the truth of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.